Good morning, afternoon, evening, welcome to the 8311 cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. On this week's episode of the 8311 cast, we're going to be going over the NFL, Cyclone Football, Formula One, Major League Baseball, and of course, our signature segments, Write That Down Predictions, Mike's Stupid Rules, and your weekly turtle tab. <laughs> On this week's episode, we have your hosts, Wyatt Teeter, Mike Ludwig, and a special guest star, Ariane Barry. Yeah, Ariane's here because Kyle had some excuse, like, you know, moving to grad school. Something about that makes him unavailable this weekend. And since we didn't come to you last week, we figured we'd, uh, you know, get Ariane on here and get another episode out to you. Happy to help. Kyle's headed out to Purdue for grad school. And I just want to get this on the record. If we have to start talking about Purdue sports on this podcast, I'm a quit. I ain't talking about Purdue sports. I don't That's want to talk. They're, they're bad at everything, and I don't really like them. So we're just we're just gonna say that right now that we ain't talking about Purdue sports, whatever Kyle tries to tell us. So unless they do something amazing, like when they beat Ohio State last year, then they're then they're worthy to get talked about. But until unless they do something like nationally important, we're not gonna talk about them. But they don't do that very often. So. Fair enough. The only but, thing that's really good about Purdue is that their mascot always looks like it's gonna kill kids. <laughs> but I don't get why like them because they're, they're like the logo's a train, right? Yep. Then what is that? What is that mascot? Uh, he's a guy who works on railroads, I guess. Why is he's he? He's got have like a, a. I don't know. People had rectangular heads. <laughs> That's what everybody <laughs> looks like who lives in Indiana, actually. <laughs> uh, I guess I've never spent significant time in Indiana, so That's I uh, probably for the best. I can't comment whether or not uh, I hear Gary's a good place to go. Maybe I'll start there. That's a really bad idea. I don't think you would make it out of Gary, Indiana. Probably about the same as uh, East St. Louis, right? Hey, East St. Louis is all right. Uh, I mean, no, it's not good, but (laughs) (laughs) it's better than it used to be. Yeah, I live in the East of St. Louis area. Yeah, you're East. Yeah, you're East of St. Louis. Yeah, that's true. But you know. If I need to pull out any street cred, I can just say, yeah, I live East St. Louis. <laughs> In the suburbs. In of the... East St. Louis. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> I used to live you're in the hood. You don't have to tell them that part. But, I don't know, I was going to call up with a clever transition into actually talking about sports from that, and then I said bots and then it didn't happen. But what did happen is Michael Thomas got paid since we last came to you. Uh... What was it? About five years, a hundred million dollars. Is that what his uh, extension was, Ariane? I believe so. He got his money. He deserves his money. Yeah, he does. I mean, since he was a second round pick, yeah. first of all, he didn't have a fifth year option. Mm-hmm. So this was his last year on your deal. And even this year, he's only making like one point one and a half million or something like that. I think we told you that last episode. So he deserved the money. He got paid. Good deal for the. He's the highest paid receiver now. I think. Do you consider him the best receiver in football? I mean, not necessarily, but that's the way these top contracts work, right? Whoever yeah. this top level gets paid next becomes the highest paid. Do you think he's so, top three? I would say he's easily top oh, three. Oh, yeah. Him, so Julio, Hopkins. I don't know, man. They're talking about, obviously, he got his deal. Julio would be next to get his deal. Well, and I yet, don't know if it's as good of an idea to give him as big of a contract because he's kind of old <laughs> well, and he's yeah. been getting injured. 
you, you've also got Thielen and Diggs up in Minnesota who are going to be True. looking for deals soon. They're really good receivers. But I whoever, think if you give Julio a really long-term, really expensive deal, you're basically going to have the Chris Paul deal, but for football, where he yeah. was really good, now he's not, and you're paying him a ton of money still. And, it, and it's a lot harder to move bad contracts in the NFL than it is mm-hmm. in the NBA. So, yeah, that's fair. But he, what, he's got two years left on his deal, Julio does, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, I've heard some people saying after he saw that Thomas deal, he should just walk out right now. <laughs> go and go try to get a deal like that, but I feel like he doesn't have leverage if he tries to do that. He's already held, yeah. held out once to get the deal he's currently on. So holdouts work for some players. Um, Ezekiel Elliott and uh, Melvin Gordon are so far not those two players. No, their holdouts are ongoing. Uh, Melvin Gordon has requested a trade. Who knows if that's going to happen? But San Diego is a Super Bowl contender if Melvin Gordon's playing for that team. That defense is decent. Phillip Rivers is the quarterback that nobody talks about who's just yep. been excellent for the last 10 years and nobody talks about him because he hasn't won in the postseason. Yep. But he's phenomenal. Well, the he might problem be with Melvin, yeah, I, I would think he'd be all... Basically, he just needs one decent, deep, super like Super Bowl-esque run, mm-hmm. and I think he's pretty good to get in there. Yeah. The only thing you can really hold against him is that he doesn't have postseason success. The problem right. with Melvin Gordon holding out is that they found out last year they have Austin Eckler in there, and uh, they can they can manage without him. Yeah. They'd be better with him, but they still probably have a top like a top level, easily top half running back without him. Mm-hmm. So you can hold out, and you can say you want to get traded, but if they decide they don't want to trade him, what's he gonna do? We already saw Le'Veon Bell literally sit out and not play football for the entire year last year. You can do that. Go ahead. You won't make any money. The difference between Bell and Gordon and Elliott here is that Bell wasn't under contract, right? True. Like, they put the franchise tag on him, but they didn't sign it, so they couldn't fine him. Here, Gordon and Elliott are under contract, so they're getting fined every day they don't show up, which is different than – so it's going to work out worse for them than it did for Bell because they're going to get – find yep i mean even if they right even if they do start showing up now they're not going to get their full contracts because they've already been fined that right. what they're getting fined like fifty thousand dollars a day something like that i think so and i don't think you can really overlook the fact that the one dude who got his holdout ended is a wide receiver and the two guys who didn't are running backs because yeah. that's just how the league goes right now everybody yeah. feels like they can replace a running back with a running back that's all right and that you just don't have as much leverage. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Zeke has more leverage than Gordon because the for Cowboys sure. don't have a proven backup. Yeah. And but they don't have also, any, like, wide receivers either except for Amari Cooper. Right. But he has contract issues of his own. I mean, he's not yeah. holding out, but... But, I mean, even if you look at the most, I guess, the best running backs, more or less, like, Le'Veon Bell was considered the best back before he just quit for a year, and he was basically a receiver that was really good at running the ball. Right. All the best running backs oh. now are just out wide half the time right. anyway. You, you, you don't have the – a running back is value now is tied in his versatility a lot yeah. more than it is his running ability. I mean, think yeah. about Alvin, Alvin Kamara. He's going to get yep. paid. He's a, he's a uh, pass-catching back. Yeah, Dalvin Cook is renowned as a good running back. If he can play healthy, he's a pass-catching back. So you don't see many of more of the Adrian Peterson-type brick-for-hands running backs – yeah. I mean, you basically got wide receivers, uh, 
big, strong wide receivers, which are tight ends, and then you have wide receivers who run the ball sometimes, which are running backs. It's basically all wide receivers. And Tyreek Hill. And whatever Tyreek Hill is. When he isn't kicking people. He loves kicking. That's fair. Kicking, catching, they should put him on special teams. It'd be great. Yeah, do you know who uh, also apparently doesn't know anything about, you know, how a football player is actually supposed to act? Uh... Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown. We need to. Oh, we need to add two things to the list of things football players shouldn't do. Like a uh, in 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 episode production meeting here. Two things from Antonio Brown on the list of things football players shouldn't do. We'll talk about what he did and then we'll add him to the list. Do you want to pull up that list while we're talking, Wyatt? Will do. So for those of you who don't know, Antonio Brown got traded to Oakland. You should know that. That happened a long time ago. But now he's uh, missed almost all of training camp. First, because he uh, got frostbite on his feet in the middle of summer because he went into a cryotherapy chamber without appropriate footwear. I guess I don't know what appropriate footwear is for a cryotherapy chamber. I can't say I've ever gone in one. I'm not a professional athlete. My my rest and recovery routine uh, involves going to the bar after a slow-pitch softball game. So I can't say, but I feel like it's common sense that you uh, don't freeze your feet. I mean, we've all lived in Iowa, so that's basically a cryo chamber anyway. Like, I never got frostbite. Basically that's the true. Same thing. That's true. Because you had appropriate footwear on, right? You weren't you weren't marching in sandals out in the snow, were you? No, no. Sometimes Converse, but like you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. Mm-hmm. And then the <clears throat> other thing you did is so. The NFL instituted a new rule here in the offseason about helmets, right? So they want to reduce head injuries, so they put a list of approved helmets and ban certain other helmets. So Antonio Brown, is uh, the helmet he's always been wearing, is on the list of helmets he can't wear anymore. And he's threatened to retire if the NFL won't let him wear his uh, brand of helmet that he's always been wearing. He even tried to sneak it through the uh, NFL-like inspection by taking his Pittsburgh one and doing, like, a custom Oakland Raiders paint job on it and, like, scratching out the serial number, you know, like like you do on, like, a, a bat that you wanted to use in high school baseball that's illegal. He's, he's, a, he's a character. He, he's, not a, he's not actually going to sit out over this, is he? I kind of hope he does. Like, every time Antonio Brown does something crazy, he just keeps doing it. Like, every time you think he's done, he is not. And this has to be, like, the most weird, like, this man might actually be a child thing ever. <laughs> like, the the league tells you, you can't wear that helmet. You might get brain damage and die. And he's like, but I like it. I need that. I want the brain damage. Otherwise, I won't play. Technically, either way it goes, his, injury, his you know, chances of brain damage are less. So that's good. That's but true. Really, the only reason they aren't letting him have it is because it's been a discontinued helmet for literally 10 years uh-huh. and once a helmet isn't in production for 10 years they don't review it because obviously that technology is outdated uh-huh. and there are many other alternatives but apparently they do not have an alternative specifically for his it's like an air shut pro xp or some i don't know but i think it's pretty crazy and i would love to see him sit out because it just seems former Steelers love to sit out of games for no reason. 
So if we could get I, Le'Veon Bell sitting out because he didn't get paid, and then Antonio Brown getting paid, or sitting out because he didn't get to wear his like favorite protective hat, that'd be awesome. That that would be pretty funny. You got you got that list for us, Wyatt? We got two things to add to it. Are you ready? Yeah, you bet. We're adding, don't go into a cryotherapy chamber without appropriate footwear. And? And don't retire because you can't wear your unsafe helmet. Don't retire because you can't wear your unsafe helmet. So, adding those two things onto our list, we have a complete list of things football players shouldn't do. Starting with, beat your family members. Get into a fight in a nightclub, not necessarily just in London, but just in a nightclub anywhere. Graffiti the bridge in Brookside Park in Ames. Throw a dumbbell at the head coach. Run over a cop. Get caught not watching film. Run off the sidelines to make a tackle. Have to get pulled out of an on-field fight by a cop. Don't drive over 100 miles per hour in your car. Don't tweet upside down. That's just childish. Don't steal from your teammate's locker. Don't argue with your coach over wearing a jacket. Don't not listen to our things, our list of things football players shouldn't do. Don't tweet anti-gay things on Twitter. Don't decide not to pay your cab fare. Don't punch the cop who tells you to pay for your cab fare. Don't pull police tasers off yourself and run away from them. Don't drive on a suspended license. Don't not pay your citations for speeding. Then you wouldn't get arrested or have your license suspended. And don't go into a cryogenic chamber without the appropriate footwear. And don't retire from the NFL because you can't wear your favorite protective hat. That is our complete list of things football players shouldn't do in 8311 Cast Exclusive. I would I'd like to point out that at least six of those things are Pittsburgh Steeler-related things. Mm-hmm. If you count these last two Antonio Brown things to be Pittsburgh Steeler-related, there's at least six of those things that are specifically Pittsburgh Steelers. Which is crazy because... Mike Tomlin is usually considered a pretty respected coach, but his uh, his locker room went wild his, these last two years. His his skill position players are uh, eccentric, to say the least, yeah, between Bell Brown and Smith-Schuster. I was going to say, when does Juju Smith-Schuster stop being cute and start being annoying? Like He's been fun now, but I could see it transitioning at some point to a yeah. more unfortunate Antonio Brown level. Yeah, right now he seems I mean, cool. He's not... He's crazy, but he's not insane, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I got like He's going to do dumb things, but they're not stupid or illegal. Yeah, yeah. So. Also, we should realize that if Antonio Brown did sit out, we would get to listen to John Gruden like answer press questions about that every week, which would just be a <laughs> joy. Because who didn't like every, every single Raiders game after the game, him saying, we're having a hard time getting to the quarterback. I wish we could have figured that out. I'm like, yeah, if only you guys had a player that was really good at Getting to the quarterback, that would have been really good if you had one of those on your team. If only there was some way they got like a defensive player of the year type player, Khalil Mack or something. That would have been awesome. He would he would have looked really good on the Oakland Raiders. I wonder I, why they didn't try to make that, that uniform. They should they should have tried to trade for him. They should have. They should try and trade for him this year. Actually, I would love I to see so. that story come up. <laughs> that would be good. But. Even though the NFL preseason games are happening, those games don't really matter. But Cyclone. Cyclone football is closer than NFL football. Uh, August 31st, August 30th, something like that, is the uh, Cyclones' first game. It is August 31st, yep. Cyclones' first regular season game, you and I at uh, Jack Trice Stadium. 
The uh, preseason coaches poll came out here recently, and uh, Iowa State was ranked 24th, and Iowa was ranked 19th. That is shaping up to be a really big game as far as the state of Iowa is concerned. But I was reading this, too, on Cyclone Fanatic, and I you know, I was coming to believe it. As far as the season is concerned, that game really doesn't matter, right, if you think about it, right? When, when it doesn't matter for Big 12 standings, right? True. Well, yeah, you're you, right. You, you assume that the Cyclones aren't going to be in competition for a national championship, right? I so a loss, a loss isn't going to really matter in that. So, I mean, sure, it'd be fun to see us beat Iowa for the first time in five years. But, like, actually, it doesn't really matter that much if you think about it. I mean, obviously, I want them to win, and I think college game day should come to that game because there ain't going to be a better game that week. But... I don't think it matters that much. What do you think, Arian? Uh, I could agree with you there. I mean, you could say that about all of the games and for non-conference, of course, especially yeah. now that the Big 12, I don't know, finally has a title game. That's cool. Mm-hmm. But, you know, bragging rights, of course, matter. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that them being number 19 and us being 24, obviously that's subject to change. But you know the media generally generally looks for any reason to discount Iowa State or tell us our coach is going to transfer somewhere else, basically. So I think Ohio any kind State, of, the New yeah, York Jets, any high profile game that we can win or anything that we can definitively say That's we true. beat ranked Team X, we beat ranked Team Y, That's is true. the difference between going to like I don't know a bowl game that you've heard of or like you know the Snapchat like dog filter bowl and like <laughs> i don't know like aims i mean obviously it's not going to matter that much we're not going to the playoffs but just as far as building our standing and i mean it's been happening for a couple years now the fact that we're ranked at all in the preseason poll shows the massive strides that we've made but it's like a years long thing to me is just like at some point we want to be more to the Oklahoma-esque level in the Big 12 than, like, West Virginia, where they're like, yeah, they're good sometimes, but other times, who cares? Like this so, year, yes. Yeah, exactly. So in the grand scheme of things, I think it could build towards something that matters, just as far as building our program. But for this season, yeah, it could matter a little bit less. And I've never been a huge fan of the fact that we only get three preseason games, and two of them are always Iowa and you and I. Yeah, I mean, last I just year wish we could you and I but. do something else. Like you yeah. and I, every other year would be fine. Yeah, we but really I mean, who, play them every year. But who are you gonna play instead? Right? Anybody? I mean, like, just do something. I, I don't know. What you want to play Akron again? We love playing Akron. It's great. I don't know if we could get somebody who is down. You know, another. Not. I would love to get another Power Five team on there sometimes. It's yeah. hard to get them in the preseason. If you can get somebody who feels like they got something to prove, no, that would be but, awesome to put on the record. But none of the big teams are going to want to come to Ames, right? Sure. Ames has – right? do you want to go get slaughtered by Clemson? Well, I mean, Ames they don't have that. to go all the way to Clemson. There, there are levels <laughs> in between Akron and Clemson. <laughs> we got, we got so other you, people. You, you want Wisconsin. That would be great. That would be a fun game in, like, I, the first week of the season. I, Iowa State, Minnesota – that would be fun. There are very, incredibly very few good games for like the first those first three weeks, and there are always mm-hmm. random ones where you're like, oh, cool, these are teams that I actually have heard of before. Not, what is it, University of Louisiana Monroe? Is that who we're playing? 
Yeah, we've got our non-conference schedule is UNI, Iowa, and Louisiana, Monroe. Yeah, nobody knows where that is. It's in Louisiana. You know Probably Mon- Monroe, Robert? Louisiana. I, I didn't even know that was a place. I don't know. Is it a place? Probably not. It's probably named after a rich donor who was part of the War of Northern Aggression, as they call it. Like, who knows? Monroe, Louisiana is a city. Probably named after right. President Monroe. Is, I take it you back. Know? It no. is. Um, let's see. What's the biggest city? Take um, take Dallas. Take Shreveport. You probably know where Shreveport is. And go halfway. It's halfway between Shreveport and Jackson. It's probably the best okay. way to describe it. So it's in New Orleans. No. Oh, sorry. It's in Louisiana is what I meant yes. to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good stuff. That's all I really need to know. I'll never be there. That's so fair. getting back on topic, I would agree with both of you where the Iowa game statistically doesn't matter at all. But I think it's a huge, a huge game for the teams of morale and in media presence. For and, sure. And, kind and, of summarizing, I guess, what was already said, but and and recruiting, I guess you gotta let own if you can if you can own Iowa, start to own recruiting in the state of Iowa, especially get them big farm boy offensive linemen that Iowa's great at picking up. Yep. T- turn them offensive line recruits coming our way. That would be big. Yep. Offensive line recruits aren't flashy, but they're. Including on the offensive line is, is huge. Yeah, it's obviously so, foundational to your team, whether you're good or not. What is our first conference game? Our first conference game, I have the schedule pulled up right here, is yeah. at Baylor. That's what I thought. So I think also it's important because that's a winnable game. The other ones are winnable games. If we beat Iowa, we can come in, easily get a 4-0 start, basically. And top that 15 puts you on probably a lot at of that maps. point. Yeah, right? So... That momentum would be a big deal. Our guys would be feeling good. So mm-hmm. either they'd be playing good or they'd be feeling themselves too much we, and they get wrecked. We, we have a very winnable early part of our schedule. Yeah. After, ba- after Baylor, it's TCU at home. TCU should be probably slightly better than they were last year, but nowhere near as good as they were two or three years ago. And then a, ba- a West Virginia team that's probably going to be second worst, third worst in the conference here this year on the road. So... We could, I mean, it's realistic that this team could start six and out. Not yeah, saying they yeah. will, but it's realistic. Yeah. Somehow we'll probably start like one and five, but playing <laughs> to their full potential, they could realistically hit that. So I think mm-hmm. that game in the middle could really give us a lot of momentum going forwards, which would be good to carry through the season rather than, let's say, you like almost win, then you get hosed by the refs and it kills morale. I think that definitely like carries into the next game. Yeah, that's true. And we do have a bye week before that Iowa game, so we should be able to study all of the Iowa film and make some defensive tweaks based on what we see in, against you and I, so that should definitely help us going forward. But For sure. I'm sure we'll preview that game a lot in the uh, two weeks before it happens as we really get into Cyclone football season. But right now, we got to move on. It's because it's F1 season right now, and why it's going to fill us in on the Hungarian Grand Prix. Oh, look at that. You looked at the outline. Yeah, I looked at the Cheating outline. We're, profe- we're professionals here. That's right. Oh, we're going to keep this one a little bit short because uh, the next week or two, we're going to go into some in-depth F1 analysis because we are in the mid-season break. Uh, we don't have another race until the beginning of September. So that's pretty fun. So the Hung- Hungarian Grand Prix was on the 4th. We uh, took a two-week break from the 8311 cast. We didn't have an episode last week. So we're covering this this race right now. 
real quick. Uh, as a brief synopsis, top five were Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen, uh, Sebastian Vettel, Charles Leclerc, and Carlos Sainz in your top five places crossing the line at the end of the Hungarian Grand Prix. Max Verstappen started in a pole position and held the lead for a large majority of the race before uh, Lewis Hamilton pitted early to get a new set of fresh tires to eventually overtake, run off the track, lose his place, overtake again, and end up uh, finishing the race. There was a risky uh, one-stop strategy that um, Mercedes used for Lewis Hamilton that did pay off, obviously, because he won, which was good. But this was really the race to see before the midseason break to see how well Honda and Red Bull Racing, in turn, is doing. Which is obviously very well. Um, Honda has been coming back after a really rough three or four years prior, uh, making engines, and McLaren dropped them uh, last year for for a different for Renault, and they've been really proving themselves as a good engine maker. So good for them, looking good. Ferrari is doing quite poorly. They finished a full minute behind Lewis Hamilton, crossing the line with Sebastian Vettel in fourth and Charles Leclerc in. Uh, or sorry, Sebastian Vettel in third, and Charles Leclerc in fourth, uh, which is quite unfortunate. Um, their team principal is kind of chalking all that up to bad aerodynamics and tire wear. So either Seb and Charles are just not managing their tires well enough, or I, I don't know. If they were managing their tires well enough, why wouldn't they be less than one minute behind? Uh, if that was the case, they'd be going way too fast or something around the corners and uh, hugging the corners too tightly. They should be, their time split should be less than one minute if that was the case. I think they still have issues with, obviously, strategy is a big weak point for Friday this year, and also their power unit set up there. There's major issues. Um, uh, Valtteri Bottas also retired, or he didn't retire, but he had a really rough race. The, the start, he had damage to his front wing, which he had to go into the pits and get fixed, so he came back out in last place. In 20th place, eventually worked his way all the way back up to 8th, so that's always fun to see when you see a, a top 3 team race driver have to make his way up through the back and midfield pack. That's always fun. So that was basically what happened in the Hungarian Grand Prix. It wasn't a whole lot of drama, but it was the, the Grand Prix right before the mid-season break. Next race is the Belgian Grand Prix, September 1st, 8-10 a.m. ESPN2. Put it in your calendars, check it out, and watch it. It'll be a good race. We'll see what these teams can come up with after they have a few weeks break between between uh, Grand Prix, So that's all I got. So, so you said you're going to be doing some in-depth analysis here for us in these next couple weeks? Be, oh, uh, you betcha. We're going to go over some uh, F1, some interesting things in F1. I haven't come up with a good segment title yet, but it'll actually be interesting. I'll make it interesting for non-motorsport people. It is, right. uh, it is in my calendar now. I put it in. You best watch it. You also, your too. segment name can be F1U. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually a pretty good segment name. I like that. There you go. See, that's why that's why we have you around. You're a thinker. Boom. None of the rest of us are thinkers. Marketing you're a thinker. There brain. you go. There Big you go. It's paying off. Major. It's paying off right now. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> do, do, you, do you know what isn't paying off, unfortunately, right now? What's that, Mike? Baseball savior, Will and Zoss, the DL. Oh, no. He's still hurt. Uh, I heard from Lavelle E. Neal, Twins beat writer, on Twitter that he uh, is planning to head down to Fort Myers, the Twins uh, training complex, to resume baseball activity here shortly, if he hasn't already. Uh, expect him back right around September 1st when rosters expand for September call-ups, and I assume he'll work back into the catcher's rotation at that point. 
So look for Will and Zasta Dio to be back September 1st-ish when rosters expand. So, and along with a lot of other people get called up then because, you know, if you can have 40 men on the roster, you might as well put 40 men on the roster. There ain't much of a reason not to. So go Will and Zasta Dio, get healthy, fix yourself. And stop jumping over the uh, the railing when we hit walk-off home runs and hurting yourself more. Also be a good thing. Good advice. Yeah. Hurting yourself doesn't help you come back from getting hurt. Rarely ever. Unless you're Nelson Cruz. I'll get to that in a minute. But. So before we get to that, Arian, you want to talk about the Cardinals a little bit? Since we don't have Kyler yeah, yeah. to talk about the Royals, we'll have Arian yeah. talk about and the Cardinals. That means we well, get to talk about honest. three good baseball teams this week. And so I was going to say, baseball teams nobody bad wants baseball. to hear about the Royals, even if Kyle is here, because they're terrible. They're bad. But, yeah, they're really bad. Although I am excited, the Cardinals and the Royals are going to be playing this week in Kansas City, and they're so bad, I might see if I can get some cheap tickets to go see them. Oh, yeah, you'd that be should be some. fun. Uh, the Cardinals um, been kind of up and down this season, whether they're really hot, really cold, or just kind of in the middle. They're sitting about two back right from the Cubs right now, and I believe they just played a series. Well, they did just play a series with them a little while ago, took two out of three. And I'm actually checking here. I was looking. The Cardinals have won 13 of their last 15 in-division games. So they're hitting their games when it counts. And they're doing a lot of good winning. But they also lost five games in a row between that Cubs series and the Pirates series. So uh, the Dodgers and the Athletics both just crushed us the whole time. But if you're going to win games, I guess win games in the division. Because they kind of count double. So as long as they can kind of keep some... Just a little bit of consistency. That would be great. And we can win the division and the Cubs can have a wild card instead. That'd be awesome. How about we just not give the Cubs anything? That sounds good to everybody. It's fine with me. That, yeah. I would disagree with that. I think the Cubs they should got, have the win. They got their one World Series in 190 million years and we can wait another one for them. The, 108 mean, the, years. Thank you very much. Oh, sorry. My bad. The, I mean, they're only two two and a half games ahead of Milwaukee, and Milwaukee's currently it's not true. in the playoffs. So I know, it's crazy. Cu- but Currently, they're leading the NL Central, but next week, if they have a bad week, they could be on the outside looking into this playoff picture. That's what's been... The danger of the NL Central um, right now. Y'all have mm-hmm. been saying that for the past month. And okay, it's, well, well, right it's now, been true the entire month. Gonna... It, yeah, it's true of all three of the teams. Literally one week could change it. Right. I haven't saying they are going to fall off, but one bad week and you could go from hosting a first playoff series to not even making the wild card game. I mean, we saw what happened last year, right? Like, it didn't go well for them. Because right. we had those, like, nine ties in a row, and that was... Definitely the most interesting beginning to the playoffs I've ever seen as far as seeding goes. I mean, it's it's again we went over this a couple weeks ago, but it's it's very possible that that division could end in a three way tie, which I I don't even know how I don't even know what the protocol is for a three way in division tie. You have to play a three way baseball game. (laughs) That would be pretty fun. There's it's a it's a half a percent chance. That that and division ends in a three-way tie, so it's not good. That's enough for me. But it's non-zero. It's a non-zero chance that that division ends in a three-way tie, unlike the rest of the divisions in baseball, where it is a, a it is a zero percent chance yeah. that they end in a three-way tie. Because no other division in baseball, I don't know if there's another division in baseball that has three teams above 500, even. Let's let's look at this. Maybe the AL East. Yeah. Probably has three three teams. Yeah, the AL East does. 
the AL West does at the moment. The okay, yeah, a lot of teams. A lot of okay, divisions you do. lied. Yeah, I lied. Every division except the AL Central and the NL West do. <laughs> so I lied. Stop listening to me. The NL East has four teams above five hundred. When things so. get kind of slow in January, and we don't have a lot of sports to talk about, we should dedicate an episode to designing how you would play a three-way baseball game. Because I think that is interesting, and I want to see it happen. See, I was trying to decide whether it would be like a split type of field where one person's third base is a first base. Wait, what? I think so you can play a, on a normal field, but you have... No, no. I want to make yeah. some adjustments. So there's now like, <laughs> what? One, two, three, four, five, six. So you're, seven, you're, six, seven you're taking the, the diamond, but you multiplying it. <laughs> you wedge them together. So like, like, do you have two home plates? Two home plates. Like back to back or what? Yeah, basically back to back. So like, if I foul a ball behind me, is the same team hitting on both fields at the same time? No. So. Well, We'll flesh this out later. Yeah, 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 we'll we'll, we'll have you back on. I think yeah, on this. We'll have you back on in a couple, you know, in a couple weeks, and we'll get this. We'll get this fleshed out. When I have like diagrams and stuff, you're gonna have to include <laughs> links. We 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 have a we have a description page on she's podcast, okay, so we'll be yeah. able to get them. I'll start Can you it just up. make the frames three? So have a three, three, three frames per inning, but, right? But who, and then who whoa, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. So what, one team is batting, one team is fielding, and one team is the battery. Is pitching and catching? Yeah. Huh. You could replace really that. Okay, but so, 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 what does that go towards? Who's, I don't know. So, like, am I as the pitcher or the fielder? I'm trying to decide, is there a way no that, idea. like, I can pitch it poorly to reflect poorly on the fielders or i guess it doesn't There's matter more, you just have to get the most but, but, more but, unique but, strategy choices but let's say i'm a fielder what this yeah the, but if i'm a fielder and let's say the the uh yeah let's say the astros are in this playoff and they've got justin verlander on the mound right maybe i want justin verlander to have to get out of this game early right because i don't want to hit yeah. against him so, so maybe just i'm just gonna all drop all the balls yeah. and justin verlander left to leave the game I anyway, think the, I think the split diamond's <laughs> the best choice. Yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk. We'll, we'll we'll flesh this more out later. Yeah, we'll work on it. In the meantime, we got to talk about the Twins last two weeks here. The Twins have had something of the last two weeks. They took two out of three from the Marlins, blew, blowing a big ninth inning lead in Game Three. That one hurt. They swept the Royals with Nelson Cruz continuing to be a monster in three games in that series. He had four home runs, three doubles, and like seven RBIs. It was a really good series for Nelson Cruz. He likes hitting against the White Sox, and they can't pitch. Um, the trade deadline happened in these last two weeks. The Twins traded for Sam Dyson. He was one of the best relievers in baseball up until he got for the came and pitched for the Twins. He was the one who blew that big lead in Game 3. He blew another game for the Twins. He's now on the DL with an injury he's apparently had since July but just didn't tell anybody about. And that's not good for the Twins because, you know, they thought he was healthy when they was trading for him because he didn't tell anybody, and then he sucks. And, yeah. Anyway, then Atlanta came to town, and the Twins struggled against a good team again and only took one out of three. The starting pitching was awful that entire series. Jose Buyas was supposed to be our ace, and he decided to give up nine runs in five innings instead. That's not what you want from your ace pitcher. And then Cleveland came to town for 
the biggest series of the year, four-game series. The Twins went into the series up by two games. And uh, at the end of this series, I have decided, Twins fans, it's officially time to panic. It's time to panic. The Indians just took three out of four from you. Your starting pitching looked bad again. You were able to come close in every game, but you just fell down in a big hole, an early hole, too early, too big to overcome. You battled back in every game. You sent game four here to the 10th inning, scoring two in the ninth. It's time to panic. This team just doesn't, the Indians are hot, and this team doesn't have it. And I hate Yasiel Puig. We'll get to that in a minute. But also, I, Nelson Cruz is hurt. Byron Buxton is hurt. Your, two, your, your defensive MVP, your offensive MVP are both hurt right now. It's, it's time to panic. You better hope that the Indians' next uh, three series against the Red Sox, the Yankees, and Mets uh, cool them off. Otherwise, you're going to be looking at a wild card game at best after squandering away an 11-and-a-half game lead here. You had an 11-and-a-half game lead at one point, and it's tied now. That's not good. That's not good. The good news is that Nelson's crew's injury might have made himself better. So he's been dealing with a wrist issue ever since uh, early April when he uh, landed on the DL. He's been playing through it. In a swing on Thursday against the Indians, he uh, they're saying he um, blew out a... Uh, a tendon in his wrist, which I mean, normally isn't good, but apparently he feels no pain anymore. So he doesn't feel it. So, I mean, he'll probably be back in his 10 days and just play. So I don't know. Maybe that's the one time where injuring yourself makes you better. Yeah, you basically got a superpower. Yeah, apparently you, you tear your tendon and then you don't feel pain anymore. So it's good. But Twins fan, panic a little bit. Hit that panic button, but, but don't like give up yet. Still win this division. We're still favored to win this division. We have an easy schedule. Take advantage of it and keep beating bad teams. So a really easy way to avoid panicking if you're a Twins fan is actually root for a team that's still, you know, like mildly mediocre but still kind of good. I mean, so the, you're basically panicking all the time. So then you're never panicking if you're always panicking. Yeah, but, but if the Twins were in the NL Central, they would have a like a seven-game lead right now. I, just I mean, they would have had to play more, like, teams that are, you know, you, you can't come up against the Cardinals and the Cubs like that. We're so good. That's right. You guys would have less wins. That That's true. It'd be Probably. quite a struggle. Speaking we, of we the Cubs. We don't play the Tigers 17 times. That's fair. <clears throat> Speaking of the Cubs, like we said earlier, it's still first in the NL Central. St. Louis is two games behind, and the Brewers a half game behind that. Going from two weeks ago. Cubs played uh, at St. Louis, 1-1-3, kind of lame. Hugh Darvish had uh, quite a game, gave up two under runs, it's kind of sad. John Lester had a really rough game three of that series as well, giving up five earned runs. That was probably one of his worst starts that I've seen this year. Super sad. Uh, we hosted the Brewers at home the second half of that week and got 3-3. Three three. Jose Quintana's really bringing it back. Q's killing it. I love it. Woot woot. Uh, we played the A's at home and did much better against the A's than the Cardinals did. We took two or three there, so that's pretty awesome. And then we played at Cincinnati, only got one of three. So the Reds are still out there, and they're still pretty good, but they're not in contention for the, the division title by any means. But they're still making it a little rough to play against. Next week, we're away at Philly and Pittsburgh, so that'll be fun. The Cubs are pretty bad at playing away this year, as they are every year, uh, you know. 
For trading stuff, uh, the Cubs did release Brad Brock, which was one of our closers, and then also traded out Carl's Ed- Carl Edwards Jr., another closer. He was the one with the, the foot touch thing that we were talking about a few weeks ago. Traded him for uh, Brad Week from the Padres. We also picked up Luke Roy to help extend our catching. Our catching depth, uh, apparently, with Wilson Contreras and Victor Caratini injuring themselves all the time, we didn't really want to rely, rely on Taylor Davis. I love Taylor Davis. He's a really cool guy. He's the guy that sits in the dugout and like stares at the camera all the time. So whenever they cut to a shot to him in the TV broadcast, it's just him staring into the camera. Oh, I love that. Did, that. did that down in Iowa, right? In AAA? Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. I, I love that. that. He tries to do it in Chicago, too, but they don't give him as much face time. But, yeah, that was Cubs. Kept it short and sweet because, you know, that's the way I roll. Nice. Uh, yeah, as what I said, the trade deadline did happen since we last recorded. The biggest deal, there was a lot of... A lot of more minor deals and stuff. Uh, you know, a couple Shane Green to Atlanta. That's been a disaster. Anyway, the biggest deal was uh, Zach Greinke went from Arizona to Houston in a deal that happened last minute. Like, the, they must have got it done like two minutes before the deadline because it was the deadline was at three o'clock Central Time and it was about three fifteen when like people were hearing about it. So that deal must have just barely slid in before the deadline. But that was huge. It turned the Astros into significant World Series favorites now. I mean, if according to uh, according to 538 right now, the Astros have two of the three best pitchers in baseball, according to 538 Sports, with Justin Verlander and uh, and Zach Greinke. Only Max Scherzer is better. So uh, the Astros are the team to beat now in baseball for the World Series because of that trade. But uh, no, I mentioned earlier that I. Uh, don't like your seal Puig. Part of the reason is because one of the things that happened here in these last two weeks, it was one of the biggest brawls I have ever seen. I mean, I'm not going to give you like a play-by-play over because if you can just watch it, but we had managers that were already ejected onto the field. It was it was an insane brawl. Go look it up. It was between the Pirates and the Reds about a week and a half ago now. Look it up. It was a real brawl. Punches thrown. A pitcher charged at the dugout. Never seen that before. Yusil Puig was in the middle of it because he's Yusil Puig. Uh, other baseball notes is the Mets have now won about 15 to 16 games or something like that, and they're trying to prove us all not crazy. Um, like, or prove that they are not crazy like we said they were when they traded for Marcus Stroman because uh, they've been hot since they did that. Mm-hmm. So Mets trying to prove they're not crazy, only about a game out of the playoffs. And as we touched on, both the AL and NL Central will continue to entertain. Um, and also that uh, brawl I mentioned is part of the reason why I'm uh, I am pissed off this week because um, I am pissed off at Major League Baseball. So you see, Pui got uh, suspended for that brawl. He was in the middle of it. Uh, he got three game suspension, which is probably fair for what he des- what he deserved given his history. And so this brawl happened as you see, Pui was getting traded. Like, he got – this brawl was in an afternoon game on the trade deadline, and he was getting traded in the process of being on the field in a brawl. I he got a three he, games. Yeah, I think he was – technically the deal was already through at least. It had been disclosed to everyone publicly, so he was literally fighting for a team that he was not on. Yeah, I'd never seen that before. But anyway, he got no, a three-game suspension. Awesome, and he appealed it because, you know, that's what you do, and you can play amidst your appeal. And the MLB, for some reason, now taking like a week and a half to deal with this appeal. And I 
that me and the Twins, I think there's something fishy going on here with him being able to play that big series against the Twins. So if his, uh, on Monday morning, if the MLB comes out and says Yasiel uh, Puig's suspension is denied, something fishy's going on there that he just wanted Puig to be able to play that series against the Twins since it was such a big series and then he'll serve his suspension. Just something to keep an eye on, Major League Baseball. Be careful what you're doing there. Do your job. Suspend the players that deserved it. He deserved it there. So he he was involved. He 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 reinstigated that ball twice after it was almost over. So he's an instigator. Do you know what else keeps players from becoming instigators? What? What's that? Rules. Ah, uh, didn't see that one coming. You should know. That's what comes next. That's what comes next. Baseball, my stupid rules. It's it's Mike's. the order. Stupid rule. So what's the rule that you got this week? So we're going to talk about, so as you know, this year, as we went over in a previous rule segment, there's only one trade deadline. There's no more August trade period. But if you've been following MLB trade rumors, for example, I'd recommend that site for baseball news. You've seen that there's been a lot of trades still happening. You might say, well, how can that happen? The trade deadline's passed. So the rule is there are two ways that players could still move. So you can still place somebody on waivers, just like you would at any other point in the season. And then, you know, they can be cut or claimed by any other team that you want. So that's one way that uh, teams can play. Uh, t- players can change teams here after the trade deadline if they were to get cut or things like that. The second way is so that trade deadline only applies to players on a major league 40-man roster. So if there are players that haven't been on a 40-man roster all year, they can still be traded here even after the deadline. So you can still make minor league trades even after the deadline. So there are players, a lot of players, the Twins have traded for, I think, two minor league outfielders since the trade deadline happened. So you can still make these trades here after the trade deadline as long as they're for minor league players. So you'll definitely see some players here move around here before playoff rosters have to be set on September 1st. There you go. Players can still move even if major league players can't be traded. So keep an eye out. I'm glad they can still move. That's very good. And with that, we will move along to our Write That Down Prediction segment, where Mike's also going to hold us accountable and give us all of, all of the many predictions that have come off the board since last time we've brought sports to your beautiful ears. Yeah, in two weeks, we've had a very, very high number of predictions come off the board, a grand total of one. Uh, it was from Wyatt. He predicted the Cubs would uh, have a 550 or better winning percentage in the month of July. They ended with about a 507 winning percentage. They played a game or two over 500 for the month, less than 550. So for that, well, I could say, nah. nah. Um, that was it. Yeah, that, that was it for accountability session. Since Ariane is filling in for Kyle this week, he is going to be giving Kyle his write-that-down prediction. Ariane, fire away. All right, so... We were talking about Iowa State football. It's about to get started, so I was in the spirit for a little bit of Iowa State football prediction. This one will take a little bit of time to come true, so you never know how it'll look when it actually comes up. But I have predicted that Iowa State will win their homecoming game against Oklahoma State University and then go on to sweep the Oklahomas and beat OU in Oklahoma. Wow. I'm... I'm feeling home run for that one why no 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 it's gotta be a triple it all depends on how you feel about our team I and how you really feel about, about it. jalen hurts 
at Oklahoma, uh, right? Is he going to be a Heisman caliber quarterback or without that vaunted Alabama defense? Is he, I feel like he isn't as good of a quarterback in the Big 12 as he I, is in the SEC. Right. I feel like when he's yeah. tasked with propping up a Swiss cheese defense instead of just not screwing it up for the Alabama defense, yep. he might not be as good. So should we say triple? I mean, you can't say a home run. I don't All think right. you can say a home run because you're basically saying that it's it's impossible. Home runs are virtually impossible or extremely not, unlikely not to happen. I mean, have you watched since, baseball? Since MLB That's juiced the bite. The, the, the Twins are going to break baseball's home run record probably before September 10th. <laughs> yep. Don't so, worry. The MLB said they didn't do anything, though, even though they own the place but, that makes the baseball. the baseball company, That's and then all of a sudden— home runs went up coincidence, coincidence? yeah it's probably like global warming like the hole in the ozone changes the thickness of the air and stuff <laughs> that's what it is well they're playing with different oh. balls now yeah but doy they're investigating oh uh, they're investigating why the baseballs might be different do you trust an mlb investigation more or less than you trust an nfl investigation it depends <laughs> what they're investigating we investigated ourselves and found nothing wrong. Yeah, uh-huh. it turns out we were good. Crazy how we found that out. <laughs> no. So, are you comfortable giving him a triple for that? Because I, yeah. I don't feel comfortable with the home run. All right. We'll, we'll give him a triple. All right. All right. Mike, My prediction, have? David Montgomery uh, played in his first preseason game with the Bears here this week. He scored a touchdown. My prediction is when the Bears and Packers open the NFL season here that first Thursday in September, I think it's the fourth, it's the fifth. Um, David Montgomery will have uh, will score against Packers. Two point conversion, touchdown, safety. If he oh. if he safeties them, if he kicks <laughs> a field goal, that would count too. All David right. Montgomery will in some way score against the Packers. I hope it's a field goal, just because that would be, be amazing. Fun. Oh, I gotta get a one point safety prediction up here soon. Drop kick, maybe he'll drop kick Ooh, for some points. That'd be I haven't seen drop kicks in a while. Mm-hmm. Um. That's a I mean, that's, that's really, oh, it's pretty likely. No way. Oh yeah. You have to consider how inconsistent the bears are with their running back rotations. Mm-hmm. That's but a big Montgomery thing. is like on the top of that rotation. Is no, he? Is he? I, think I don't he think so. I don't. Yeah. I you don't. don't think the guy that got all the carries last year is on top. Okay, the official, the top, not on official top. Chicago bears depth chart lists David oh, Montgomery yeah. as the third string running back. Third. Nah, third. second. Behind Tariq Cullen and Mike, De- I'm looking at the Bears depth chart <laughs> right now. No, I know you are. I don't. I think they're wrong. I, I mean, right, yeah. Maybe they'll be wrong, but they're not currently wrong. So like, double them. I'm thinking double, but if you want to argue for a triple, I'll, I'll give it to I'll, you. I'll take I think a it's a double. I'll take, I'll a, take double. a double. All right. I just think that it is difficult to score. For one player to score in a game is hard. Like. You know when you play fantasy football and you see your running back hasn't scored a touchdown in three weeks. It has happened sometimes. It's a passing league. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, I piggybacked my write-that-down prediction off yours, Mike. And I'm saying that Hakeem the Dream, Hakeem Butler, is going to score against the Lions. He's playing for the Cardinals right now in, uh, in week one. Okay. I'm, I'm torn about this one. Again, I find it very hard to just decide one player is going to score for sure. Right. I think but on the that, same time, uh, that that combo, man, and it has potential to be so fun in Arizona. It does. If they use Hakeem right with Kyler Murray. 
Ooh. Could be so far. Um, Hakeem is currently listed as the uh, third string wide receiver. That's not bad. The way they should play, airing it out, he could get a decent amount of field time. Uh-huh. It's hard because, you know, we've also never seen Kyler Murray play in an NFL game. Oh, when? Regard- Never mind, let's look at the official Arizona Cardinals depth chart, with, okay. in which he's uh, listed as the fifth string wide receiver. Not as that good. makes a little more sense. And so. I think we should just consider that regardless of the very strange and sudden media 180 that we did this year, where size no longer matters for quarterbacks because they love Kyler Murray, it kind of matters still. <laughs> Literally every year that football has ever existed, they're like, he's too short to play, he's too short to play, Russell Wilson's too short to play, Drew Brees, like everybody. Then Kyler Murray comes in, they're like, size doesn't matter. He's five foot four. I don't care. Put him on somebody's shoulders and he'll throw the ball. I don't know why we don't care anymore. <laughs> He's still small. He could get hurt. That's all I'm saying. I want to see it before I buy in all the way. That's fair. That's uh, fair. So is this a home run? Ooh, a home run? Is he going to see the field even? That's true. Who guarantees he's, he's not inactive even? Is the fifth wide receiver? Yep, that's fair. I'm, I'm thinking this is a home run. I'll take it. I'll buy in. All right, I'm in for a home run now. I'm happy with a home run. Do we have anything from Josh this week? We do. His prediction is that Keston, Hiera, Huera, something or other for the Brewers will hit two home runs this week. How has um, he been I'm doing? Up his I was going to say, I'd have right to know now. something about him, so... He's played 54 games for the Brewers this season. Um, he is currently hitting 305, slugging 600, um, with 13 doubles, two triples, and 14 home runs on the year. Ah. So he averages a home run about every 3.8 games. Yes. So how many games are they playing this week? Ooh, probably six. You should assume six. Yeah. They are playing... Uh, Playing Twins Tuesday, Wednesday, yeah, yep, so and the Nationals the rest of the week. Yep, Six games. So it's not out of the realm of statistical possibility that he mm-hmm. would, but it's Earl. also not that he would not. Double? That's double at best. We'll give him a double. All right. Just cause it depends what, on if he's hot right now. Right, because they're so streaky, right? Yep. So he's, yeah, because they're so streaky, so who knows? All right, that I think yeah, that that's what Josh yeah, had. Yeah, so that that's four four predictions, including Josh's, Ariana, Kyle's, and stuff. So that means that it's the end of the uh, write that down prediction segment, which also means that we are at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening to episode forty two of the eighty three eleven cast, your premier Midwestern based sports podcast, where we bring you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Tune in again next week for episode forty three. Where again, we bring you all the sports things. Signing off for the 11 cast, we have your hosts Mike Ludwig, Ariane Barry filling in, and Wyatt Teeter. We'll talk to you next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones.